We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, I mean, if you if you stay over too long, you start losing draft, losing draft position, which, um, I mean, ultimately... You're always balancing the near term and the in the long term, and uh, at some point, it kind of tips back toward, you know, being maybe smart term it f- feels great, but in the long run, or sl- short term it feels great, but in the long run, it uh, it's it's going to hurt you. So you have to be careful about balancing those things. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seven of the score. That is the voice of. Uh, Tom Ricketts, the Cubs owner, the chairman, and uh, he was at camp yesterday, and it was uh, it was good to hear him talk. That is about the competitive uh, balance tax, yep. and um, you know those are those are three scary letters for uh, for any MLB team: competitive balance tax, CBT. Yeah, and the Cubs are below it, but just barely. And right. I think that when you look at where they are heading into this season, they've got a two hundred twenty-five million dollar payroll. The threshold for the CBT is 233. Leaves them just a little bit of wiggle room, Mully. And I think what you heard yesterday was, yes, walking that fine line between acknowledging they just invested over $300 million in free agents. They have upgraded their payroll to the point where now it's ninth. Some people would like it to be in the top five consistently. I understand that sentiment. You are a big market team. You're ninth. That's okay but you leave open the possibility. Let's say the Cubs meet some of these high expectations. They are in contention at the deadline. As Tom Ricketts said yesterday, if they indeed can compete for a division, you're going to be in the mix during the trade deadline. They've got room to go get a player to add to the mix. They can be buyers. They don't have to be sellers. Wouldn't that be great if we're sitting here at the trade deadline and we don't have have this countdown to Armageddon like we have the last two trade deadlines? Um, it's fascinating in a way because MLB, the, the owners are creating a, an economic reform committee because they're concerned over Steve Cohen's spending and his broadcast deals. And, uh, and I mean, the Mets have gone absolutely, uh, kind of off the deep end and they, um, you know, it's, it's not. It's not beyond the pal to think that the whole idea of this is to get to a, uh, a some kind of salary cap. MLB has been pushing for that before, and the union is obviously very reluctant <laughs> because they love a guy like Steve Cohen coming in and raising the price of pay and poker, and then everyone else has to follow. And the owners are trying to control that. Um, it, it, it's just a really interesting kind of situation, and and Tom. Handled it well, I thought, when he was asked about uh, Steve Cohen. In my opinion, he handled it well. He basically said that, uh, you know, he wasn't talking about that. He didn't care. Would you people. like to see some extensions get done, keep some homegrown players? Yeah, I'll leave that up to Jed. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, we we, we, um, we have a couple guys that we, we'd love to extend. But, but, you know, I also, you know, if – 
if, if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. I appreciate that they, you know, they um, would rather test the market. But I don't know. It's it's uh, it's up to Jed. But it'd be great because uh, you know not only some of the guys that we you know consider extending, we know them as players, but we also know them as people and the kind of people you want to be around and you want in your clubhouse. Do you think the spending that we saw from the Mets, the Padres, the Phillies is that good for the game? Look, you know. I think the way I would put it is like we're, we're focusing on what we do here and what other teams do isn't really something that I'm going to you know, comment on or worry too much about. The key is that we, we like what we have and, um, and I think we have a good strategy for putting a consistent winner on the field. That's a good answer. It's a good answer. And it was similar to what he told us when we had him on yes. and asked him a similar question. And I think that's the only way you can really answer it to the level that it's going to satisfy anybody, right? Because – we know that there are the Mets and there's everybody else. Look, but, but Molly, I mean, look at the Mets. I, I know that you would love it if you're a Mets fan to see your owner go out and have a payroll that's approaching $375 million. Yeah. Now, the Cubs are ninth, and they're spending at a level where they really should be and maybe leave open the, the a little bit more to spend if they need to, to add a piece, as we met, reference. But $375 million shatters and goes by – you know, any threshold, it's not even, it's not even adhering to it. It's acknowledging there's a speed limit. It's just, you know, you're pedal to the metal. You're going 95 in a 55. It, Steve Cohen doesn't care. He wants to, he wants to win a championship. And I, I could see being an owner and resenting that having this Maverick rogue owner go at it the way that he's going after it. But if I'm a Mets fan, I'm like laughing because I want him to pursue every free agent, make room for every expensive, you know, player, and uh, and still want to be able to pursue the next one like Shohei Otani. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's really interesting because um, I think that uh, controlling spending is understandable. And it, it's nothing that a fan wants to hear about. And if the if if you know Steve Cohen is willing to pay the 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 CBT, basically everyone else should too. Would be the attitude that most fans have, and that sure. uh, that the association players association has. Um, they that's just what you know. You don't want to own a sports franchise, then don't own a, own a sports. He's franchise. unpopular, but right. I don't think he's necessarily unsuccessful. Look at what he has done to that Mets team already. Yes, they are uh, in some people's minds. Uh, a front runner to compete for a pennant. And I can see why they have bought uh, a team full of all-stars. And so he's a modern day Steinbrenner. Everybody hated the way George Steinbrenner operated, right? Because he could afford everybody and everything. Right. But now Steve Cohen has gone into it with a, you know, we can call it a competitive balance tax. It really is a de facto salary cap. Teams go beyond it and they're going to pay for doing that, but he doesn't care. He's got plenty of money to burn. So he's going to do whatever he wants to build the best team. This is a $375 million payroll after they had to cut ties with Carlos Correa and move on. Yeah, They, they would have been near $400 million. Next season, they could conceivably be about a half a billion dollars in terms of payroll. And if they win the World Series, nobody nobody in Queens is going to care. Not, uh, not for a second. <laughs> And I don't think I don't think Steve Cohen's going to care either. The only people that are going to care are the other owners yes, in the game, right. like Tom Ricketts, who have to be asked to address 
why he's not spending as wildly as one of his peers. Not all of his peers, because there is some, you know, intelligent spending going on. There's also some real shrewd, strategic, uh, call it frugality. I mean, there's there's teams that aren't spending and can get away with it because they don't have to worry about competing because they know they never can because of teams like the Mets. They're never going to be able to compete like that. So they they don't spend, and you have a, a situation like we had last year. The Oakland A's had a payroll that was lesser than some players, yeah, some star players. Yeah. You can't have that. That's too, in, that's too no. much of an imbalance. Yeah, that's that's bad imbalance. for the game. I agree. Yeah. I think you could make think- the argument uh, the A's not spending is worse for the game than Cohen overspending. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, that's a tough argument to make, but I, I wouldn't. I think it's. I think there should be, there should definitely be a level that you have to spend a floor. To. Now, then that turns into salary cap stuff. But I think you should have a floor. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, let me ask you that. We, we haven't seen. We haven't seen the same. Like, okay, so I'm a fan of like international soccer, yep. right? I'm a fan of Manchester mm-hmm. United. That team is for sale. And they've gotten four bids already. They they had to be in by Friday, so they got they got one from this strategic group that is basically looking to uh, finance somebody. Uh, they're not they're not trying to take over the team. They have two serious bids from people trying to uh, take over the team. There is a you know a British um, you know the richest man in England who is. Um, his name is uh, what the hell's his name? Sir James Ratliff or something like that. Something like that. Whatever his name is, doesn't matter. He's some owns a chemical company and they're backing the bid and it's like four point five billion supposedly that he's bid for this team. And then meanwhile, um, the Qatari government has stepped in and bid like five billion. And um, and they the um, the Glazer family who owned Tampa did a hostile takeover of United 18 years ago and have done a terrible job running the team. And there is like this feeling because other, you know, when a state is taking over the team, they've got more money that, you know, and there was like a Saudi group they were waiting for a bid from, but they've got more money to put into it. They don't care about it. Uh, Manchester City ended up, um, you know, violating all of their fair play rules because they were spending money like sailors on shore leave. They won every trophy known to man. United hasn't spent in the same fashion, but they clearly would. They're talking about if the the Qatari uh, government takes over, this would be like they would go out and have like a wish list of the best players in the world and they'd fill it. Um, And nobody, nobody who is a fan of the team wants to stop that process, but there would be a preference to have somebody local own the team and you'd feel like, you know, it belongs. Well, you're never going to complain some, about winning too much, but but you're, you're going to complain if you're, if you're bought, like if somebody came in and took over, if some country started running a baseball team and, and there was like a, Japanese conglomerate that at one point tried to buy. I remember this in the like the nineties, and and people were mad about you. You just don't want you want to know who the owner of the team is, and you want to know kind of where their money came from, and you want to know that they're willing to back the team. I don't think you want like some 
some uh, state-sponsored uh, ownership of a team that then can spend any amount of money they can get out of the ground in oil. Right. Well, I wouldn't suggest that. I don't think that's a good but I, idea. I, and I know baseball is hanging on to yeah. these teams. But that's that's what's happened to the international soccer teams. They're owned by states. Right. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if there's a, is that a comp there or not. But I don't think there is. No, I don't think but there is. But they're spending no. whatever I, they want to spend. Is, is my point. Well, and I think that you have about ten teams that are capable of doing that in Major League Baseball, and then you've got about three to five at the bottom that aren't even close. And so we enter a season where the Oakland A's. Get back to it. I, I'm curious about what, what people think about if this is if it bothers them that the Mets are overspending or which concerns them more, which is worse potentially for baseball. Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen sending setting that yes. kind of precedent by approaching four hundred billion dollars payroll or the Oakland A's with a payroll at forty point nine million dollars right now, and you have three players in major league baseball that make that much or more. I so, think I think they're they're bad for different reasons. If if you get to if you can conclude like if if Oakland's not spending that money but they're vying for something then bully for them it's like the Tampa Bay uh, you know uh, Rays the way that they have competed while not spending top dollar that's pretty Im- impressive stuff but if you're if you're just buy if it, if you have to buy a title that's not good either I don't think it's bad. I mean, because of the way pro sports have gone, they're priced out of – we can't right. really relate to what it's like to be on a payroll like that. You know, you look at what it is doing to ticket prices and how we consume the game. That's a concern. But at the same time, if this is happening at the top of the game and, and this is just the way that you know the marketplace is developing, I'm more concerned about – I think Major League Baseball is more in need of a floor than it is a ceiling. Yeah, I, I, I'm not arguing that. I think that's uh, and, definitely one thing that they should really address because right. that, to me, is a bigger concern. The Oakland A's, to me, are are, are threatening fair. the game more than Steve Cohen is. And, and, David, I think that I would imagine that Major League Baseball, the owners, would prefer to set a limit than a minimum, right? That That is the reality of it. Because they like money. the I- they like the idea of a minimum. They like the idea of a forty million dollar payroll. Um, it should be minimum a hundred million, right? I mean, minimum a hundred million. It probably should be more than that. If the Mets are spending what two forty something, is that what you said? No, the Mets are at three seventy five. I can see. That's I can see a hundred million being a reasonable floor. Yeah. Uh, where the you know that would be still at a hundred million dollars as a payroll. You would have teams. From the Marlins on down, 22 the Marlins are uh, in terms of payroll, and they're at $81 million. So they are one so of, one of nine, teams nine teams okay. that are under the $100 million threshold. Then sell the team. Then if you can't if you can't meet a hundred million dollar payroll, then you shouldn't own the team. But, but we have in that group, and I and I don't want to destroy my own argument, but I think this is why you don't have a floor necessarily. You have the Guardians. In that group, yeah. you've got the Rays in that group. Yep. You've got teams with organizations that win regardless of how much money they spend because they have good evaluators, they have good farm systems, and they consistently sustain success because of that. Yeah. Well, then, then you gotta get rid of the Guardians. I'm with you. Okay. Them Send them baseball. to Europe. Put them in the <laughs> Premier League. <laughs> 
312-644-6767. Kevin is in Palatine. Hey, Kevin. Hey, guys. I agree with both your points. Mully, I agree. has to be $100 million. It, you, you can't have a Major League Baseball team and have a payroll under that. David, I know you just said about the Guardians. Well, spend a little bit more. And, you know, I, I did not care for Ricketts' comments. I think if you're a half or a horner, it's a little bit of a slap in the face, and that's what I called about two weeks ago. I'm annoyed they didn't get him. And just about the Mets, and I love that our right fielder is recruiting him, but the Mets also just signed Cody Senga, who the Cubs should have signed. Right. He is super tight with Otani. And make no mistake, there was one owner, and every baseball owner, every baseball reporter knows it. There was one owner who spoke the very loudest about not wanting Cohen in. And that is the guy who owns the Chicago White Sox. Everyone knows it. Jerry did not want him in for this reason, because Jerry loves the floor. Jerry loves a nice low floor. Thanks, guys. You've got good hearing, Kevin. Yeah. Because he's right. He's right. Jerry Reinsdorf has as big of a problem with Steve Cohen as any owner in baseball or any chairman in baseball, as anybody in baseball, I would think. We're not going to hear that, but we know that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I. And as for Hap I and Horner. I agree with that 100%. That was interesting. I don't know that Tom Ricketts, he should have expected the question better than he did answer I, it. Yeah, like I said, he answered the question about Cohen and the and the, the uh San Diego, he answered that question well because he didn't answer it. He just, uh, well, that's not our business. Yeah, right. He needed to basically answer, you know, well, Jed's going to make those decisions, and Jed, you know, that's all he needed to say. And it, it just was awkward that he said, you know, well, we want those guys, but then again, you know. It, only because it came across <laughs> as dismissive. Yes. And you don't want to do that with two career. of your best players. Exactly. Especially but, one coming off an all-star season. But, I mean, the reality is that they do have three. Their top three prospects are all in the outfield, and they're all guys that you anticipate will have contributions to make soon. And I don't know that you, even a guy who just made an all-star team, I don't know that you need to keep them if you feel like you're going to get cheaper and better. And that's kind of the way they seem to feel. I think they're probably in a wait-and-see mode to see where the season goes. Yeah. Maybe he's one of those guys you pay if it starts well and you want to keep him. But yes. you're right. Alcantara, Crow Armstrong, and Brendan Davis are three young outfielders that you could conceivably see as Ian Happ replacements. And also, Cody Bellinger's not going to be here beyond one year. No, he's here He's a one-year, $20 yeah. million dollar investment. But he's a, he's a roll of the are, dice. Are, you know, they're, they're – is Brendan Davis the center fielder of the group? They're all pretty capable. Crow Armstrong. All, Crow Armstrong is going to be Brendan Davis probably the left fielder of the group, the, although where's Otani going to play? Well, that's – got to worry about know, that. Yeah, you got to make sure you got to worry about that. Because whether you want him or not, whether you want to spend the money or not, you got a guy out recruiting him. Well, you should. <laughs> I want to know what kind of pressure Tom Ricketts <laughs> felt from, say, a Suzuki uh, saying he's recruiting a guy that's going to cost a half bill, though. <laughs> Where the hell? You and Dustin with the build I'm using Dustin. Dustin influences my my rhetoric, so I want to just give him credit for that. It's a half build though. Oh, my God. I, I would never have uh, have predicted that as a possibility. He influences your rhetoric on a daily basis. Um, I think you're... Um, I no, I'm right. Well, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> thought in that one, so oh. take that. 
It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, listen, that's part of my consideration. And, and you know, I, I made a commitment to the fans, right? And it wasn't a short-term commitment. You know, when I do something, I don't do it halfway. Okay, I mean, I, when I'm in, I'm all in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't accept mediocrity well. And so I have a certain high expectations. And, it, and if it requires me to invest in this club, then I'm going to do it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That's the voice of Steve Cohen. And he's talking about the, the, the payroll he's put together for the team that he's put together with the New York Mets and um and he's going to he's going to spend as much as it takes and he's going to pay whatever it costs and he's going to win because he made that commitment to the fans. It just reminds me of a guy like Mark Cuban in the NBA mm-hmm. and we have NFL examples. The NFL is a little tighter I think with some salary cap restrictions, but everybody can imagine their own aggressive owner Getting involved, maybe Jerry Jones is the best cowboy, or but the Cowboys is the best NFL example. Guys who are committed to winning at any cost, at all costs, and you, you know, money is no object. And so, whether it's the facilities, the stadium, the roster, they're going to spare no expense if it means they're going to win a championship. And that's what Steve Cohen is talking about. He was in the dugout wearing a Mets cap, talking to the New York media. Yeah. Now, this guy loves the attention. Yes. You've got to have that personality as well, but it, they all go together. It's not like, okay, you mentioned the Oak, the Oakland A's, and we're yes. talking about this in terms of the contrast, which is inevitable. And I asked the question about which is better or worse for baseball, a team like the Mets or a team like the A's. And, you know, you, you have a situation with John Fisher, the billionaire owner of the A's, who is now leading a potential move to Vegas and has identified that as, as a goal. But you don't hear from him much. Because yeah. why would you? Well, they've got I mean, a forty million dollar payroll. Exactly. I would imagine instead of wearing, uh, you know, the baseball cap, he's probably got like a beard and some other method of, you know, hiding his face. Spent more on his disguise than his bullpen. Well, that's that's what you would have to imagine, wouldn't you? Yeah. I wouldn't want to be no. known as the owner of the Ace. Yeah. Oh, look at him. He's never taken look a photo. At, look at yeah. those shoes. Well, that's a that's a cheap billionaire, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Just saying. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> Not really. An no, oxymoron, think, a cheap billionaire? No, I don't think that's a, a, an oxymoron, if you <laughs> say, uh, if you want to mispronounce it. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I think that. And I'm not calling you a moron. That's by the how way. that's how you become a billionaire right. by being cheap, right? I suppose. So you know, or. I, being born into the right family. Well, that's really how you, always, become, that's how you become. There's always that method. Yeah. You make we money digress. the old-fashioned way. Sorry. You inherit it. So back to the Cubs. Yes. Do you think that? Um, I don't think they're overly cheap. I think that the last two years, they needed to invest more, 
and for whatever reason, they didn't. And this year, they've, they've obviously gone out and bought themselves a lot more. The underlying reasons, we don't need to recover this ground, but I think the underlying yeah. reasons for the last couple of years was pandemic-related in their minds. In their minds. And so I think whether that was real or imagined, that is in the past. Right now, what we're dealing with is Tom Ricketts addressing the team as he typically does every spring. They're ninth in payroll. Is that satisfactory to Cub fans? Do you think that's enough to be where they have? I think like, it's a lot better than where they were. Totally. They were so 14th. I think they're heading in the right direction, right? Don't I always you? feel like if you're top five or 10 in attendance, you should be top five or 10 in payroll. I think well, those two things have to be but aligned. I, but I do think the competitive uh, balance tax is something that, that they're going to be aware of because say what you want about, you know, if, if you believe that spend thrift to not spend uh, up to the the uh, amount of, uh, of of people attending games. I I would say that if you're if you're a businessman, if you're running a business, you also don't want to give up money to other people because they're spending uh, because you're spending more than them. You would rather spend to the limit, and if you have to on a year or two, but you don't want to live there because the 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 CBT gets. Pretty expensive year in year out. It does. It's you're you're punished. Yeah. By the second year, the third year, etc. If you don't get a what, if you, if you don't come back, yeah. Below right the CBT, the penalties become multiplied, and you want to avoid being a repeat offender, if you will, because exactly. it will cost and, you and, more. And, and I mean, I'm sure the Mets, when they win, if they win, will back off a little bit, don't you see, think? That's I, what you're talking about with the I, Kansas City Chiefs not paying their tackle. Well, I, see, though, I think I think comparing sports is dangerous because, to me, the salary cap in the NFL is more restrictive than the competitive balance tax in baseball. I agree. Because teams will not and cannot go beyond that. Baseball gives you a threshold that dares you to cross it. And Steve Cohen doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, and he's okay. going to cross it. He's Thank gonna, you, yeah. owners. That's nothing to me. So I, I wonder if the Mets won, theoretically, the pennant this year. Say they win the World Series. Well, that's what it would take. I don't think they're going to stop. I don't think that would stop them from going after Otani. That, that's the reality we're talking about. If the Mets win the World Series, to me, they still would be the front runners for Otani because of Steve Cohen, because of his aggressiveness, because of his greed. I mean, greed meaning he's greedy to win. He uh -huh. wants it all. You know, it's interesting because they say that George Steinbrenner couldn't get a table in New York. You know, it didn't matter what uh, kind of industrialist he was, what he owned. He could not get a table in New York. So he bought the Yankees, and then he got any table he wanted whenever he wanted it. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm right. just saying. So right. I don't think that's the case with Steve Cohn. I don't, I don't think that's why he bought the team. But you're right. I mean, he certainly has – He's willing to be the public face of it. He's willing to go out there. And wouldn't you be if you were spending more than everybody else and you were kind of, you know, running the whole game of poker? Wouldn't you feel pretty good about yourself? Very good. I would definitely. It wouldn't prevent me from doing anything. We're getting some good feedback on the text line, 630. Ninth in payroll is a joke for the Cubs. See, it says the bar is to clear isn't signing pro players. The Cubs need to be in the top five in payroll. Yeah. Again, how many of those teams are over the CBT? Because I, I would understand why they wouldn't want to be. Same texture. I'm, I'm out on Jed Hoyer. He's an articulate guy whose only skill is self-preservation. I don't believe that. I don't think this is the spring to be out on Jed Hoyer. <laughs> to me, Jed Hoyer went out 
armed with Tom Ricketts' money and budget and change the roster from a bunch of guys who are definite maybes to a bunch of guys who were major leaguers. That's a difference. They spent $300 million. They invested $300 million in the free agent market. They brought in more new players than any team in the MLB. How can you be done with Jed Hoyer? Out on Jed Hoyer this spring? Here's my favorite text of the show. Um, Seriously. Um, Here's what a salary floor would accomplish. Nothing would change. The worst players would make more, and the richest teams would still have all the good players. So setting it, I agree with that. If you're if you're saying, well, you got to spend at least a hundred million, that's being fair to everybody, every fan of every team, so they're more competitive. But the reality is, you know, if you really want to make it fair, then and this is socialist thinking, you'd make it like every team has to be between one fifty and one hundred. You see what I'm saying? Isn't or, that the NFL? Or you'd have to say, "Isn't that the that's NFL? The, that's a that's legislative cap. parody. That's exactly right. It, every t- if he, if he wants to spend three forty five. Every team has to be between 300 and 345. <sighs> Boy, I, I, I like that text because it's, it's there's really a lot good. of truth there's in that. There's a lot of truth to it. And yet I do wonder, inevitably, if you're paying, initially the, the impact would be felt. Maybe over time that would be truer. But I think that if you're the A's and you have to upgrade your payroll by that degree. Well, you'd have to sell the team. Significantly. You'd sell the to team. To a billionaire. But <laughs> oh, wait a minute. To a poor billionaire. Yeah, there a you go. A struggling billionaire, right? <laughs> to a more a less spendthrift billionaire. Uh, yeah, I, I love. I can't wait for the, the the headline. Frugal billionaire buys A's. Well, now that that's you know again, I don't think that's an. But let, but let me get back oxymoron to oxymoron the, the because point. oxymoron is an underrated word. Look it up. Okay, I know it. I know you know it. I know you know it. And I'm saying it the right way. It's oxymoron. Um, I'm not it, calling you in names. Some places it's pronounced oxymoron. Okay, particularly this show. <laughs> okay, back to the A's. If you have to upgrade your payroll that significantly that quickly, let's say they give them two years or so, you're going to be better. You're going to be more competitive. They're not going to be teams that are, you know, basically 4A teams. What the A's were last year at the end of the season, maybe throughout it, was a 4A team. They had a $40 million payroll, three players in Major League Baseball making more than every member of the Oakland A's. That's bad for the game. I don't think that's good for the game. So, yeah, yeah. I I I think it's um I think it's really I agree with what you're saying. I, I, that's probably worse for the game than a guy that comes in and spends like crazy. The the owners are obviously more interested in preventing the guy that spends like crazy, and they're probably delighted to have uh, you know brunch once a year with the guy that uh, is barely spending any money and and now he's going to move the team to uh to to vegas i mean and if you were choosing between vegas and portland i think there's more money in portland's vegas. beautiful this time of year it, there's more money in vegas i think you're right yeah. that i think the decision they kind of makes itself they have these giant casinos there they do that, yeah. Uh, yeah so they could build a they'd bill you a baseball stadium to come wouldn't they vegas is i think hungry for major league baseball All right and you understand why. Now that they have the Raiders, they have the Knights, who, by the way, play the Blackhawks tonight in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they have a team, or they have the, the the market that can support a Major League Baseball team. That would be next. And you're the A's, and you don't have any hope of 
playing in the same ballpark, establishing, you know, a foothold in that market any longer. So, yeah, they're on the move. Portland or Vegas, but likely Vegas. And that kind of stinks, frankly, because, you know, what's left in Oakland, you know? It's – and you've been there. It, you know, it is uh, – it's the only building, well, it, actually the old uh, Miami Stadium was in a rough area. But I, I remember leaving Oakland and, you know, an armed guard walked you to your car because there had been such a rash of, of sports writers getting uh, Yeah, it's not a, it was not a great lot. area. Not a great area. At the time, and last time I was yeah. there was, I think, uh, for a White Sox series in early, I think it might have been, and, and it was still – the case and it wasn't that long ago so yeah it's i remember being in the reality Mi- was it called miami arena whatever it was it was there were like um do you remember when cuba kind of cleaned out its prisons and stuff so there were a ton of people staying in tents around there and the guy went to walk us to his car and he he un he unhooked his gun like he didn't pull it but he was going to do like some some quick draw stuff i think he so caught- he was ready well, he he did, no longer had it locked into the to the little uh, holster. He was ready to draw, and I was kind of like, "So you felt defended, but scared." I didn't feel remotely defended. I felt like <laughs> I felt like, "Holy mother of God, this guy might have to pull that thing, and he's getting ready. Let's hope he's faster than whoever holds me up." Yeah, that was not a safe feeling at all. Nice to have an armed person next to you, but kind of scary that you needed that to get to your car. I like where they play now, though, the heat. Yeah, it's, it's much nice nicer. Arena, nice area. Yes, no question. No complaints there. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm sure that you'll like whatever the new arena is built for uh, the A's in, uh, in Vegas, okay? So rest assured, you'll love going there. It's Molly and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash ProFootballTalk. Day by day, day by day, we get better and better. We get better and better. We can't be beat. We can't be beat. We can't be beat. NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We always enjoy our opportunity to talk to Mike Florio, and he joins us now, as all guests do, on the Score Hotline presented to you by Soda Weight Loss. Visit SodaWeightLoss.com. That's S-O-T-A. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys today? Pretty good. You know, we're all fired up because, the uh, obviously, the, the Bears have all the money in the world, and they can control the free agent market, and... Uh, and lo and behold, it's kind of tag day, right? It's the first time teams will be able to to start uh, uh, tagging players, and um, and we're fascinated at how quickly this process could take place and who would be available for a team uh, like the Bears with the money they have to throw around in free agency. Yeah, and look, we, we've made this argument many times over the years. The opening of the tag window doesn't matter. What matters is when it closes. Mm. Because plenty of teams will wait until the last day. It's deadline-driven. The only reason to tag a guy early is if there's any doubt as to whether or not he was going to be tagged, if there's any desire to scare other teams away from trying to tamper with him, 
at the scouting combine where tampering is rampant. It removes all doubt. It avoids situations where teams will put ideas in a guy's head because they know it doesn't matter. He's off limits. He's on the franchise tag. Because for most guys who have the franchise tag, no one is even going to consider signing him to an offer sheet because they're not going to give up two first-round picks. The one big exception this year would be Lamar Jackson if the Ravens use the level of the tag that allows other teams to talk to him and sign him as opposed to the exclusive level, which basically squats on his rights and keeps anyone from talking to him or signing him. He could still be traded, but it, it makes him completely and totally off limits once free agency begins. All right, Mike, let's get specifics on Saquon Barkley. The Giants, what are they going to do with him? Could he be possibly a guy they either tag or let hit the open market? Because if he does get to the open market, we're very intrigued here in Chicago. There was a lot of momentum moving toward the Giants getting Daniel Jones signed to a long-term contract, and then they'd have the tag available for Saquon Barkley because every team has one tag every year, either franchise or transition, one of each. And all the transition tag does is give you a right to match an offer sheet that another team would sign a player to with no entitlement to compensation whatsoever. Once Daniel Jones changed agents, and once we learned that it was because he wants more than his prior agents were able to get him, and once we learned that it's now likely he's going to be tagged, that means Saquon Barkley either signs a long-term deal with the Giants or hits the open market, which means that next week in Indy, his agents will be meeting with teams, They'll know what's behind door number one from the Giants, behind door number two from other interested teams, and he'll be able to make a a decision, a rough decision on what's going to be out there and which direction he's going to go. And it could be the Giants offer him more than anyone else or that it's sufficiently close that he just wants to stay where he's been for his whole career and benefit from the, the profile of playing in the New York market, not wanting to change teams and go through that transition. But if they're not going to tag him, And again, the window closes two weeks from today. And if Daniel Jones is going to be the one to get it, then Barkley's going to be available to anybody who wants to sign him with a lot of other free agent running backs and a lot of guys who come out of the draft every single year who have full tread on the tires and who, as we've seen time and again, if you block for them, if you trust them to hold on to the football, and if you can rely on them when it comes to protecting the quarterback on a blitz situation, you can find running backs at low cost who can do the job. And that's what holds down the veteran free agent running back market. So it's going to be fascinating. But the Jones situation changes everything for Barkley. Um, Mike, when, when you look at, uh, at where we're at with these, the, the, the quarterback market, and specifically Derek Carr versus uh, the man in dark, um, how – how long will these things take? I know you think that the car thing could take uh, will be a longer process. Um, he already has been to the Jets. Are they waiting on to on whatever revelation Aaron Rodgers reaches? And you know, is a is a quarterback you can get? I know how good Rodgers is, but a guy that you can get better than a guy you have to trade for. Well, Carr is in a position if he wanted to do it. He was cut a week ago. Yeah, he's in a position where he could say hey, folks, get in line and let's figure this out and I'm going to pick a team and I'm going to do it now. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's in the team's best interest for him to play along the way that he is. His brother said last night on NFL Network it's going to be a long process, that he's going to meet with all the teams that may be interested, but he wants to sign in advance of free agency so he can help be part of the recruiting effort 
for other free agents, which does it really matter if Derek Carr is texting you and calling you? You know what matters in free agency. How many zeros come before the decimal point? That's all that matters. Derek Carr isn't going to make a damn bit of difference, and it's a little delusional for him to think that he will. But if he wanted to get the best possible contract, the way to do it is to say step right up and we're going to do this deal and here we go. Other teams now are able to sit back and say, you know, we're only we're three weeks away. We're one week away from the combine when it doesn't matter if guys are free agents or not. We're going to know what guys are going to want. And so Carr's just getting lumped in with everyone else. This head start of his is going to be squandered. And I think for the Jets in particular, yeah, let's see if Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Let's see what the Packers would want for him. And then the question is, do you pay Aaron Rodgers? Do you give up what the Packers want for Aaron Rodgers? Or do you sign the guy who's free and clear? Who is more in that mid-level category? I mean, there's a reason why Derek Carr's career record is below 500. You can make all the excuses you want. The defense has been bad, yada, yada, yada. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and that's fine. You just have to know that going in. He's not going to come in and transform your franchise the way Tom Brady transformed the Buccaneers or the way Aaron Rodgers maybe would have transformed a team a couple of years ago. Right now there's risk because there's a chance he's in the early stages of the decline. That would explain the dip in performance last year if that's the case. So that's part of the challenge for the Jets, and uh, it's going to be a hell of a decision for them to make. But for now they're waiting for him to come out of that that meat locker that he's in or wherever he's, he's found total darkness and, and uh, let the world know what he wants to do. Quickly, Mike, is Rex Ryan going to leave the studio and be the Broncos defensive coordinator? You know, it's amazing that his name hasn't previously come up, but once the guy's been a coach for a couple of times, head coach, it's hard to, to take that step back and go submit to the authority of someone else. But if he really wants back in, you know, his defenses were effective at times. There's a question maybe the game's passed him by after seven years, but it's a great spot if Sean Payton wants you because he's just going to throw you the keys to the defense. That's what, frankly, got him in hot water with the bounty scandal 11 years ago in New Orleans because he entrusted the whole defense to Greg Williams. That's what he does. So it's a good spot if Rex Ryan wants it and if he can still bring it, and they got a great defense. You know, great players make coaches look a lot better than they are, and they got some great players on that defense in Denver. Great stuff, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. That is Mike Florio. Always fun to talk to him. Wow. I mean, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't a significantly better quarterback than Derek Carr. But, you know, you'd also have to give up a draft pick. You'd have to – I mean, it would probably oh, yeah. a lot, right? But and, do you want to win a Super Bowl or compete for one, or do you want to get to the playoffs? Do you believe he's going to do that for you? I think if I'm running the New York Jets, I have to ask myself that question. Yeah. As much as I don't right. like a lot of things about Aaron Rodgers – how high and how big are your ambitions? Good point. And, and, I mean, they should be high and big. They should be in New yeah. York. Right. But who knows? Let's pass the mic to Mike. Yes, we're going to uh, bring in Mike Bray. We're going to talk to the, uh, the current and soon-to-be former Notre Dame head right. coach. A lot of fun. Uh, good man, Mike Bray. We'll speak with him next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.